ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. I talked to a scientist who said that the way we can imagine it as humans is like having a dinner plate sized tick oh. attached to us. No, thank you. That's the, the rough size and scale of what these, these little mites are on bees. Unless you get stung, most people go weeks at a time without thinking of bees. But aside from being pretty cute, they're fundamental for the world's food supply. Without bees, we wouldn't have fresh fruit and vegetables, which is why we should be paying more attention to the fact that millions of bees are dying. I'm Tegan Taylor, and this is Quick Smart a show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. Recently, a tiny, pesky parasite called the Varroa mite was detected in Australia for the first time and already is absolutely wreaking havoc on bee colonies. So what impact will this parasite have on our food supply? And is there anything we can do to stop them from wiping out local bees entirely? Someone who has been combing the data for answers here is Carl Smith. Welcome, Carl. Hello, Tegan Taylor. How are you? <laughs> very, very well. Tell me about bees. Why should we be giving them more time? Bees are great. You convinced me. I'm sold. <laughs> I think they're one of the like the little creatures that do a lot of stuff for us that we do not pay enough attention to and recognize enough. And so the big thing they do is make honey and pollinate our crops. And in Australia, about a third of our crops, they are pollinated by bees. If we didn't have bees, that third of our crops, the food that we grow here in the country, would be really struggling. We also wouldn't have honey, which is great. And we have very well-trained bees in Australia. How so do you train a bee? <laughs> bees are one of the, I think, the first uh, insect that was domesticated. And so... Hang on, they, yeah. how many other insects have we domesticated? <laughs> That's a fun fact I got off Wikipedia and I did not question whether there were more domesticated insects, but there must be some out there. I'm trying to think through. But bees were the first. And the reason why uh, we domesticated them is because they're so handy for, you know, whether it's honey or food and pollination or whatever. And I think it's really important that we have a close eye on these little creatures because they do such wonderful things for us. And unfortunately, they are beset by a whole bunch of pests and diseases around the world. You might have heard of some of those nasty bee colony collapses that happened in the US and in Europe in recent years. And a lot of this is tied to a little nasty mite called Varroa mite or Varroa destructor. Varroa destructor is a supervillain name. Congratulations to the mite, but it is it is bad, bad news. Yeah, you give it a name like Destructor and you've got a sense of what it's going to do, right? <laughs> so look, I, I was really curious to see how other countries are dealing with this nasty mite. I decided to visit Fiji, uh, where they've recently had Varroa Destructor uh, coming into the country in 2018. Australia was one of the few places globally that didn't have Varroa Destructor until really recently. Yeah, so Australia has been sort of one of the last bastions, and the Pacific in general has been a bastion for mite-free <laughs> bees. And unfortunately, in 2022, at the port of Newcastle, Varroa was detected. We have these things called sentinel hives, which are near the main ports of entry into the country. We have these beehives that are set up by security experts, and they're monitored regularly to detect new diseases and pests coming in. And they found Varroa destructor outside the port of Newcastle. It has since spread a little bit in New South Wales. There's a lot of hope that 
it can be contained. Both the industry and the government say they're throwing tens of millions of dollars at this to try and protect uh, our bees across the country and to contain this little outbreak. But after 60-odd million dollars, uh, it's still out there. And given the honey industry alone is something like a $70 million a year industry that is going to be impacted by these varroa mites, and then you have all the ecosystem services like pollination attached to that, we're talking about potentially billions of dollars worth of damage that this little mite could do if it's not contained. What are other countries doing to control varroa mite? So the US and Europe were sort of ground zero for a lot of the the recent spread of varroa mite. And initially, they just saw colonies collapse. And I think it's really hard for beekeepers to do a lot of the kind of surveillance work that you would have to do to, to detect something like a disease or a pest like varroa. They affect the little baby brood inside the hives, and it's very hard to spot until the mites are literally all over the colony and the colonies at the edge of collapse. And so what happened in the initial phases was it just led to massive colony collapses. Since then, uh, people have been proactive in terms of treating, like chemically treating hives. That does have some effects in terms of productivity, and it also makes it harder for beekeepers to earn enough money from what they're doing because they're spending all this extra time checking their hives and then putting chemicals into their hives that are often expensive. So we've seen that happen in many developed countries. And unfortunately, in the Pacific, we've also seen varroa mite start to spread. So what did you see in Fiji? I went out there to visit some of the for- the fields and farms where beekeepers are working with a member of the biosecurity authority of Fiji. And what I saw was that for many beekeepers, especially in a you know developing country where beekeeping is sort of like a kind of a side hustle on the the edge of their regular kind of crops and so on, is that like it's just become quite difficult for many beekeepers, especially sort of small beekeepers to continue to monitor and to treat their hives in a way that's actually sustainable around the other farming they're already doing. And so the treatment regimes and the surveillance seem to be doing a pretty good job in Fiji, but it's been a massive burden for beekeepers to take on. And I think there's a lot of lessons for us in Australia to learn from places like Fiji that have gone through this. I think some of the the issues they had initially in terms of like learning about new treatment and surveillance regimes, that's going to be handy for us if varroa mites going to spread through the country. How does a beekeeper who's never seen varroa mite spot varroa mite? How much testing should they do? How should they do the testing? Should they do treatments? Should they be proactive with their treatments rather than reactive after they've seen the mite? I think there's a lot of lessons for us if we're connected with our friends in the Pacific. And similarly to people in the Pacific, like there's a big beekeeping industry in Australia, like you said, but there's also a lot of hobbyists. And you're really asking a lot of individuals to be vigilant in ways that they might not really know how to be. Exactly. And if, if you're a hobbyist, like chances are you're not going to be paying attention to like the latest government advice <laughs> on bee biosecurity surveillance and treatment regimes. Speak and... for yourself. <laughs> Depends how much of a hobbyist you are. <laughs> but, you know, like I think that's a really good point because if you have a hive, like say a hobbyist's hive that is full of the mite, then because bees are pollinators, they move between flowers on plants, they're going to spread the mite. They're going to take it to a you know a flower 10 kilometres west of where the hive is and drop off the mite, and then that mite will spread to the next colony along. So I think we, we need to kind of work together as a country, and beekeepers are uniting in countries where they have things like varroa mite, to work together collectively to try to stop it and reduce its damage and spread. The thing that really gets me about this story about varroa mite and bees in general is just this realisation of how tenuous 
our food systems are, that there's so, you know, a third of Australia's food supply is pollinated by bees, what it would mean if it collapsed and all of the other parts of our food system that are sort of equally as tenuous. And it's a little bit like COVID where the fact that we're so technologically advanced and interconnected is usually a strength, but it can become a weakness because these sorts of things can spread so far and wide. Yeah. I mean, we've all benefited, I think, from like the promise of globalization, but it comes with some costs as well, right? Like, you know, you open up all your borders and you let things move in and out and great, you've got avocados and mangoes all year round and blah, blah, blah. But you've also got pests coming in and out of the country on everything that's going in and out at every border, at every port, between countries that you know, would have been very hard to connect up until very recent times. And yeah, we've we've seen how tricky it is in Australia when you bring in an invasive species, something that's not meant to be here, and then you think, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. We might need to get rid of it. Think cane toads. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So prevention is so much better than trying to eradicate or get rid of something once it's in the country. And yeah, when we open everything up, when we open up the borders and everything's coming in and out, then that becomes a real danger point for us. We've got pretty good biosecurity systems here in Australia and across the Pacific in general, we take biosecurity very seriously, but there are always weaknesses. And I think a lot of it falls again to the community, to the to the colony. Uh, <laughs> all of us have to... Oh, us as, oh my gosh, it's a metaphor for us. We're the bees. <laughs> all of us can work together. I mean, I had this um, really interesting interaction at Brisbane Biosecurity after going to Fiji and recording this story. Obviously, I was out in fields with bees in a country where they have varroa mite. We don't have varroa mite in Queensland. So when I flew back in, I declared my <laughs> microphone windsock, the big fluffy oh. thing that goes on the microphone, right? <laughs> I went up to the biosecurity guys and I said, hey, I've been out in some fields in Fiji. They've got varroa mite there and they were attacking my windsock on my microphone. So I think we should probably like clean it or something. And they said, no, we're going to incinerate it. Uh, oh, what? <laughs> but if I hadn't declared it, then, you know, maybe I would have inadvertently brought Burrow might into Queensland. And so I think we all do need to work together and take biosecurity very seriously. That would have been an incredibly darkly ironic um, turn of events. ABC science reporter reports on Burrow might in another country and brings it to his own. Oh, no. Not so great. <laughs> Crisis averted. Thank you so much, Carl Smith, for joining me. Thank you, Tegan. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.